Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. If I'm getting this sort of value, and I can't believe how many people don't even know about this, and... I thought, well, this is a no. I've got to go help others do it. Why not? Let's unlock those. Let's unlock this secret to thousands of other investors based in Western Sydney and probably based all over Australia, like I was, that don't know about this. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset, and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with successful investor and founder of Dual Tax Quantity Surveyors, Tuan Duong. After being unsure of his path early in his life, his parents persuaded him into the world of property which led him to purchase his first property at the young age of 24. Join us as we uncover the story behind his success. Tuan Duong started as a self-described one-man band back in 2015 and encountered bumps along the road but is now living a very different life thanks to his business skills and advice from those closest to him. I'm the principal and uh, founder of Duotax Quantity Surveyors. Um, Duotax Quantity Surveyors is a property tax depreciation expert uh, firm. We specialize purely on uh, advising on property tax depreciation for property investors who want to maximize the amount of tax deductions possible from their investment property. And that's where my journey comes in, is that I uh, found a lot of value in this and hence it's my uh, now lifelong pursuit to help others uh, unlock these tax deductions that I wasn't aware of a long, long time ago. So, what does a typical day look like for him? The company has grew from a one-man band. I was literally a one-man band when I started this business five years ago. Um, and so when you start out, I was most, mostly looking after trying to grow the business in the sense of sales. Um, also, the technical know-how. I was very limited in, my, in, in, in what I knew about depreciation when I had started because it was quite a new thing to me um, as much as I knew the fundamentals of it. But being able to uh, implement uh, technical data into a system that could be uh, replicated to our uh, customers um, in a very big scale, I had to, you know, um, grow the business from there with limited resources in terms of trying to build Excel spreadsheets. uh, And then so the next day, you know, the part of that day would be to find more sales to sustain uh, uh, some traction in terms of financial growth. 
Um, and so that was the that was my day to day running of the business when I first started. And then it became, you know, looking for staff here and there when I could afford it. But nowadays, um, we've got a team now that uh, a sort of sales support team that that help clients and and customers get the most out of what our product uh, offers. Um, so that means I'm training staff in terms of sales, but also technical. Um, and I'm also always trying to bring on board new staff to join our our business in, in as as I'm always trying to be in a a growth phase. It's we're, so we're very much in a growth phase of our business, and so we're always looking for ways to build efficiencies as well into our day to day activities. And so that forms um, most of my day today. Uh, so relatively different to what it was uh, five years ago, but I guess that's uh, the journey of every business owner and uh, evolving to, to to somebody that uh, you know you're doing the things that you love to do. Uh, and the things that you you can't do or you 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 find too hard and like bookkeeping, you outsource that and, and thank God for that. <laughs> to get to know Duong on a deeper level, I asked him to delve into his personal history, starting with where he grew up. I'm a second generation Australian. Mum and dad uh, were um, had left Vietnam by boat uh, back in 1984, um, and so by the time '86, uh, they had. Uh, made their way to Australia um, and settled here. And I was born in Auburn um, back in 1986. Uh, brings me to 34 years young <laughs> this year. But um, I, I grew up most of my life in Cabramatta, uh, which is the western one of the western suburbs of Sydney. Um, and so through there, I went to school uh, at a local Catholic school there. Uh, which I then eventually moved to uh, further out west to a, a suburb called Bonnerig, where I schooled at uh, another Catholic high school there. And um, that was my journey. And then and, and from there, you know, sort of got brought out, brought up in the Western Sydney area. And so I saw a lot of uh, geographical change for one. And, and, and also, uh, I guess, the, the, um, the, the type of, you know, uh, the economy just thrived from uh, stride to stride uh, over the the course of, you know, 30 years um, before I moved down to the area where I'm based now in, in, the, in, the, in the west of Sydney. Duong has remained in the western Sydney area throughout his life, both personally and professionally. But certainly uh, it grew, it taught me a lot about, um, I guess, the, the demographic of that area. Uh, that ever changing, and I think still today I'm, I'm very much very associated with uh, the Western Sydney. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in the running for the Western Sydney Awards for Business Excellence for two categories, so I'm very uh, much aware of what it is and what's happening in that in that area, especially with things like the airport um, and the ever changing uh, demographic, and it's just expanding at a increasing rapid rate. And to be honest, I invest in that area for that very reason. Uh, I only hold property in the West of Sydney. He describes his life throughout high school and into his years at university. In high school, I was—I very much had a um, an, an interest in business, um, you know, economics, business studies. That was sort of where I was very much interested in trying to grow myself and understand that side of things. And the reason for that is my mum and dad, uh, being um, sort of first, you know, uh, first generation here, they uh, Vietnamese, um, they ended up starting up Vietnamese restaurants uh, for themselves. Uh, so they were always working for themselves for most of my uh, you know, young life. Um, and so I always, you know, I, I really looked up to them for that, which meant that, um, you know, going from there, I ended up moving into uni 
uh, once we started finished school, I went to study uh, finance and mathematics, uh, which was something I thought that I would have interest in, but not to be. Um, and 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 the funny thing about that is, you know, I, I like I think many I hear now is that uh, you know it's not always the first pick is not always the end pick, and I ended up uh, dropping out of university to work with mum. And so I said, you know what, I wasn't excited about uni. I went to work with mum at a restaurant. Uh, at the restaurant, at our family restaurant, uh, for a short period when I met, uh, when we started doing fit outs. And that's where I came across someone that was undertaking uh, construction or project management uh, of our fit out. And I said, What did he study? He said to me, Construction management. And so I thought, Oh, well, this is amazing. Like, I can't believe like he's the, the, the diversity in his role and how much of an interesting role he had uh, to play in, in the fit out and construction process of that. This was a pivotal moment for Duong. And I thought, well, you know what? It's something I wouldn't mind doing. So I took that up as my journey to go into construction management. Um, and that's where I sort of got my background to become a quantity surveyor because part of that degree allows you to be a quantity surveyor. And I had, I would say, min- limited interest in quantity surveying. It wasn't the most exciting subjects at uni. Um, but what I found at a later stage throughout life is when I came across uh, investing in property, uh, which my mum and dad always sort of push me towards. And thank God, uh, you know, it's always as someone that gives you a bit of a, you know, a, a shove in the back and say, you know, you got to get going. Uh, you know, you can't be spending your money at the club, at the pub or whatever it might be, having a good time with, with your friends. It, it can only take you so far. So that's when I started investing in property. And um, my accountant said to me, well, Tuan, uh, investing in property means you should be able to claim depreciation. And that means going to see a quantity surveyor to help you get the most out of your rental property and claim some depreciation. I said, well, I studied quantity surveying in school. <laughs> and he said, well, no, nah, you've got to actually be uh, go see a qualified quantity surveyor that's got the expertise in providing this, this type of uh, advice that gives you, me, me, the accountant, a report to say this is how much you can claim in depreciation, which then in turn is a tax deduction. And that was lowering my, uh, my, 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 my taxable income that each financial year for up to 40 years on my brand new townhouse that I bought. And for me, it was like, this is a no-brainer. I can't believe how much value I was getting out of it. I mean, I was on a, yes, a basic $60,000 income back in you know 10 years ago when I graduated. I thought, I've got this rental property. I've got $15,000 tax deduction in the first year. And it was like a six, seven thousand dollar refund. I just could not believe it. <laughs> so, uh, and then there was a no-brainer. I was like, if I'm getting this sort of value, and I can't believe how many people don't even know about this. And I thought, well, this is a no. I've got to go help others do it. Why not? Let's unlock those. Let's unlock this secret to thousands of other investors based in Western Sydney and probably based all over Australia, like I was. That don't know about this, you know, and so it's uh, it's it's been rewarding uh, to to meet that many people that 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 I can be able to, I'm able to help. Duong started on the construction side of things before he eventually came around to investing. I was, you know, a university didn't quite finish, ended up working with Mum where she was constructing a new restaurant. This was at the age of probably I think. It would have been 21, 22 at that time. Then I went to a four-year degree to study construction. Uh, I graduated. I worked uh, in construction for five years or four years post-grad. 
Uh, I had a couple of years under my belt while I was studying as well. So um, that's where I, I sort of in construction, but I wasn't on the quantity surveying side. And quantity surveying is in the traditional sense is being a building economist. And that means we, that quantity surveyors understand the metrics of construction when it comes to dollars and cents. They're like the accountants, right, of the construction world. So they're, they're independently advising to the bank, the council, the tax office on what exactly is the construction cost for a certain type of building, right? Every nut and bolt, working out square meters of concrete, plasterboard, the labor manpower required and what that what that means in terms of dollars and cents for a construction project. And that's what a quantity survey would do to provide that independent advice, whether you're a developer or whatnot. He considered putting his money towards his biggest passion at the time until a talk with his family changed everything. So when I was growing up, I was doing construction, civil construction that was building roads, bridges, that sort of, sort of work post, post-grad. Um, and after about four years, it was uh, in that period where, you know, I had worked with mum and to, to, to get into the construction degree. Um, but then while I was working, uh, I then saved up enough money to buy my first investment property. Of course, at that time, I, I'm, I'm such a big, passionate person when it comes to cars and things like that. But mum said, you know, mum, dad said, no, this is not the way. You've got to grow wealth and the way to grow wealth from what they knew because they were first generation uh, settlers, migrants. They knew that you know, very limited education for them, but they knew that in Australia, property just had its merits when it came to wanting to build wealth. Uh, they didn't know, know about shares, so I never really got uh, uh, inspired or, or, or really educated about shares and how to buy shares and where to put your money, but property was one of those things, and it still is today. Like I've seen lots of migrants and, and their children go ahead and buy property. And, and even their parents are buying property. Like my parents, they didn't have a lot of money to buy property or invest in property, but they knew that um, and, and it's something that they always wanted for their kids. So, Duong describes when he first moved into investing in property with help from his parents. My first investment property, they chipped in a bit uh, and so, I, so and I, I chipped in a bit to buy my first rental property and that's when it became evident to me that this is something you need to do, uh, you need to have. And so once I organized a report, uh, bought a property, organized report. It was a no-brainer. I decided that you know what, this is really, this is really important. Like I, I can't believe how much value this adds. So then I, uh, to be honest with you, it's not that easy starting out. Uh, you always have a bit of an all and R moment. Or should I? Could I? What if? Um, and uh, you know, I, I was always every year as a professional, as most probably people out there listening know, in your professional career, if you're in that career, you always got this opportunity to increase your wealth by, you know, that pay rise and that a bit, little bit more. And that always helped, kept me back. It always kept me back from uh, wanting to, uh, having that uh, drive to leave work and say, you know what, I need to take initiative here and start my business if I'm really driven to do so. When he quit his job in construction engineering, he began to work harder than ever. And so that was at the age of, I would say, 26. I think I was 25 or 26 when I bought my property. My first property at 25, 26, which was about $400,000. And it was a Western suburbs uh, townhouse. It was brand new. And then from there, it took me about two and a half years to really say, you know what, I'm going to do it. Uh, so I had a big holiday one, di- one time with a couple of mates, came back and said, that's it. I've got to leave. And I was at the I was at a good place in my career, but two years of oohing and ahhing and, you know, uh, wondering, uh, I, I put that curiosity to rest 
And I took, took that leap of faith and I, yeah, I started to fly solo, as they say, and um, never looked back. But it, it once I started, though, I, I resigned from my construction engineering role. Uh, I then went into a quantity surveying firm. And there I actually offered them to, uh, you know, I said, look, I'm going to work for you for free. I just want to work. I just want experience. I, and, and so I worked there for a period of, I think, just over 12 months. Um, and I worked for two other employees at the same time. So I was employed in three different jobs, in three different quantity surveying jobs. I'd work for someone on the weekdays. Uh, I'd work for another person, like doing contract work on the weeknights. And on the weekends, I would be out doing inspection for tax depreciation with uh, one other employer. So I was keen, uh, to say the least. So that's where after 12 months, I said, you know what? I really am eager to start. Coming up after a break, we'll look into more exciting developments in Duong's growing professional career. I don't know everything, but I'm making a start and it's a it's a very important thing because you know it's it's always that fear of like, oh, am I good enough? Would I do I really know what I'm doing? Just start, you know, and people will have faith in you. We hear about the benefits of using an accountant to manage your property portfolio. For me, like it's a no-brainer, whatever that $150 or $250 worth of tax expense. Uh, on an, seeing a tax agent, it provided immense value because then you learn about depreciation, you learn about council rates, you learn about what you can claim on water rates, usage and things like that. We learn about Duong's first investment property. And so we, it ticked all the boxes for us because we were so familiar with the area. We knew it was getting busy. It had great restaurants. People wanted to be there daytime, evenings. And so it, it was just an amazing place to invest in. And that's next. I'm Tyron Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey property investor, is your cash or equity currently earning you 1 to 2% per annum sitting in the bank? What if I said to you that you can do better? To find out more, simply register your interest to become a money partner at propertyinvestory.com. Right now, there are great opportunities in the property market and I'm looking for money partners who want to invest to get a higher return with low risk on their money for 6 months. Register your interest by visiting propertyinvestory.com. Duong remembers the time he was just starting out in his business when he was working from the study in his parents' house. The market was so hot back in 2015. I knew I just had to get out there and meet investors. Um, I didn't know how. Uh, I did the first person. I did do some uh, what they do, uh, you know, call a survey. I, I decided to do a bit of a, a bit of R and D, if you can call it that. I asked my mum and dad's account, and I said, "Hey, uh, my accountant, my personal accountant, which was a guy sort of local to me in Canley Heights, he said, uh, you know, he said, yeah, of course I'd refer you." And I said, so I spoke to my mum and dad's accountant, who I had obviously a relationship with. I said, oh, "Would you refer me clients if I started doing tax depreciation?" He said. Of course I would. And that was for me, enough for me to say, I'm going to give it a crack. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's that's how it started for me. And once I, and that was back in five years ago, so it would have been 28 when I started. Um, and so it was about, you know, so there's a few years there of, of working, of doing and ring and then over about, I think it was about 14 months of career work inside a, a quantity surveying firm, a couple of quantity surveying firms. 
And then uh, that's when I started in at the age of 28 to start my own business. Um, now, my business was not all that uh, glorious. It was I started in my parents' house. Uh, so they had a little study and that's where I sort of started up. And I'm sure a lot of people can resonate when they're listening to you on this podcast, working from home thinking, right, this is exactly the type of office you can start in. You don't need anything more special than this. You just need a telephone. And I remember I created a business card and my business card um, was, you know, I designed it myself because I was quite savvy with um, with AutoCAD and being able to use Adobe software. Um, so I created a business card and I thought it was quite, you know, beautiful. And, I'm, and I, I said, I need a landline and I make it look professional. So I said to my mum, mum, do you need that fax line that we have at home? And she goes, no, 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 it's all yours. You can go for it. With that, Duong was up and running. So I, I switched that fax line to a landline and then I put into the card and that became my my landline for the business and with my phone number as well. Uh, and and then I, yeah, I, I went off I went into some networking events that some friends had uh, told me about and I just started selling. And I, I, you wouldn't believe when you start the, the amount of people um, that you don't know will give you a chance in life. There are so many of them out there that are just willing to give you a chance if you can just be honest with them. I don't know everything, but I'm making a start and it's a it's a very important thing because, you know, it's it's always that fear of like, oh, am I good enough? Would I Do I really know what I'm doing? Just start, you know, and people will have faith in you, especially if you, you know, and, and, and you will make mistakes, you know, so there's going to be reports that don't seem quite right and the accountant has to come back and tell you this is not right or and that I've had a lot of that feedback over the years, you know, and today, even today, I, I, I prepare reports and there's always someone critiquing my reports that are really, really interested in the way it looks or the way it presents. And they say, oh, it would be nice if you had this or you had that. And so it's an ever-changing process and you're always growing. And that what, that's what helps you perfect what you do. And, and when you only do tax depreciation, you become really, really good at it, um, especially in the scale that we do it now. Duong's personality and characteristics helped him advance in his career. I think it's very suiting to my characteristic because I've never been a salesman. Um, I've, I've, I've been a, you know, a technician all my life when it comes to construction cost estimation, working as an engineer. Um, and so having to provide a product that you don't have to truly like dig deep to sell, it almost sells itself. It's so natural for my characteristic. And so I felt like inclined that this is something that I could actually confidently do uh, without much trouble. And and, and today, I, I, I'm, as much as I train staff to sell, it's I tell them, look, you, you don't need to sell it. Don't need to sell yourself. It's almost like you, you just tell them, inform them of how uh, much value you can offer them in, in terms of a product. Um, and that will resonate through to them and it should sell itself in that regard. So it's not like you're going to have to sell pens to <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So uh, very different uh, to to to, to uh, a Jordan Belfort sort of session of uh, sales. He had a very hardworking family. I asked him where his drive came from, seeing as in his parents' generation, people, especially migrants, weren't as well educated as they are today. I wrote an article about this not long ago, especially for some of the awards that we've been finalists and listed for, and it talks about like where's the drive come from, and I it resonates with me because. When my parents come here, um, education is so limited. Um, the only thing that they know is what others are doing. And when I look at my closest aunties and uncles, they were all doing that. They were all trying to save money, buy property, 
And for mum and dad, it wasn't actually buying property. Like they, they bought a rental property years ago, and I think it was back in the early 2000s. And they had not done very well out of that rental property. So if anything, it was probably a little bit discouraging for them on that first rental property that had, had ever bought. And of course, interest rates were high and all that, those sort of things that, that factored into it that wasn't going their way. And then come 2008 or nine, uh, they interest rates started to drop. And this is where my mum said, you know, mum and dad said, well, you know, let's start buying property for our kids. So all their savings, um, you know, the, the business was never, it was successful to some extent, but not enough to have for them to have a thriving portfolio of properties. But it was always a passion for them because they knew that everyone else is doing, so there must be something with this, right, that, 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 that people are doing that they're doing right. Tuang's parents took the plunge and helped his sister to do the same. And it could come down to where she bought. I mean, it wasn't the best or glamorous suburb that she bought her first rental property. But when she bought, uh, she helped my sister um, with the first property um, that that, that uh, my my uh, sister bought. It was in a you know in a thriving area um, known as Canley Heights, and at that time, uh, interest rates were low, and it was just a great place to start. And if, I think that's when the property started. You know, property talking just. For us, it was we were surrounded by it. Everyone was talking about property in, in late 2000, um, you know, close to 2010. And when I bought my first property, I think it was 2010, um, that's when it became a thing, right? And, 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 and it just sort of was uh, filling our space when it came to, uh, and, and friends were buying it, you know? And, and I think it was all to do with the, the affordability of property too. Um, being interest rates were, were, were low. Uh, lower than usual, and of and of course, um, being able to the flexibility of banks, I think at that time was vastly different uh, to the era before that. Um, so, in terms of background, it wasn't like um, it wasn't something that we had a lot of experience in. Despite his lack of experience, Duong kept it up and found that the more he invested, the easier it became. But for me, it's been of a lear- bit of a learning curve and being able to meet people, even like yourself, Tyrone, that helps because then you start listening to people like, you know, I had a lot of people in our family that were mortgage brokers. Uh, our family had, a, you know, there was a few, few establishments and businesses there and we thought, well, it's always resonating about a property and how you know easy it is to lend money at that time. Uh, and, and, and it only got easier, if anything, um, for most for most part, right? <laughs> so, and that's, that's where my, my journey started. He shares his thoughts and experiences when it comes to renting versus buying. I've got this mentality, mum and dad have always, uh, you know, as much as they rented when they first uh, settled in Australia, from there, they've always bought the houses they live in. Like they've always bought and never wanted, had this idealism of like renting is bad, right? But um, there's always an, an economy for both. But, you know, that based on that ideology, I end up realized like for myself now, when I buy even on my own businesses, I will buy the proper premises that I occupy the space in. So um, it's it's almost in in you know ingrained in us that you know it's the way we should be. Like and and now every time I move out of a, 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 a an office, this is our third the third office that we've grown into. We've we've bought every office that that we've occupied, and all because I've got this stigma that you know you need to own occupy the premises, and all we've got now we accumulate these commercial properties in the process. <laughs> so not a bad thing at all. <laughs> Duong brought his first property at the age of 24. 
the first property wasn't through a buyer's agent, wasn't that fortunate. You know, it was sort of like, we know the area. It's always that, isn't it? Your, your property, when you start out, it's you buy somewhere where you're comfortable, right? And you think there's real good aspects to it and there's a real opportunity for a capital growth. You think this is a thriving area. The demand was crazy in, in the area of Canley Heights. I'm not sure if the listeners know where Canley Heights is, but definitely it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a very, uh, you know, Asian centric uh, community similar to Cabramatta, uh, but it's a little bit more upmarket in terms of it has a little bit more space, not as dense, but really thriving restaurants at that time. And it started to become something. And then I'm not sure if you go there today, it's just impossible to drive through Canley Vale Road. Uh, and so it's a thriving, a thriving little area. And so we it ticked all the boxes for us because we were so familiar with the area. We knew it was getting busy. It had great restaurants. People wanted to be there, daytime, evenings. And so it it was just an amazing place to invest. And so we bought out my, I bought the first investment property in uh, Canley Heights back in 2004. Uh, sorry, sorry, 2010, sorry. Uh, and that's when I, I started uh, having to delve into, you know, what are things that you can claim? What are things you can't claim? Um, expenses, what's depreciable? And that's the advice I started getting with an accountant. It's the first time I ever had to engage an accountant. It was years before that. I would used to get my accounting mate to sit next to me and try to, you know, tick and flick some boxes on my e-tax and try to do a tax return. But I think at that stage, once you invest in your first property, that's when it's such good value. And thank God that I did. Uh, and 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 obviously through the advice of mum and dad and even my sister who had bought her property the year before, and she said, Look, you need to go see an accountant. So I did. And that was the best advice ever. He expands on how this advice has helped him thrive. For me, like it's a no-brainer, whatever that $150 or $250 worth of tax expense uh, on an, seeing a tax agent, it provided immense value because then you learn about depreciation, you learn about council rates, you learn about what you can claim on water rates, usage and things like that. So um, things like that, I, I, I was very blessed to, to start that journey. And from 2010, I um, didn't buy any more property uh, until 2000, uh, to 2015 when I started my business. And I wasn't very savvy and had, obviously in that five years, I, I sort of you know understood capital growth and then I refinanced my house uh, my first rental property to buy my second, and this is where I, I have to uh, I have to sort of slow down, but explain that the second property I bought was through a more of a, like a project marketing company. I bought an apartment in Queensland, um, and now looking back, it's probably one of my uh, you know downfalls of investing in property. And I was taken to a you know a property seminar, and I was sold a dream. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm sure many people out there can resonate with this. Um, and so I made a, a bit of a mistake where I bought that property in 2015 and I sold that property in 2019 uh, at a bit of a loss. Uh, you know, I, I sold it for exactly what I bought it for. But of course, there's things like stamp duty that you have to consider uh, and holding costs over the three years. And that there, uh, it took a couple of years to build, but by the time it was built, it was something I just didn't want to let go of. And 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 for some people, uh, you know, other people that bought in the same premises that I know, knew, uh, they were all about the hold and hold uh, and uh, and see where it goes. But it wasn't for me. For me, I thought, you know what? It's equity that I could release and I could do better things with. And I ended up doing exactly that. And you've got to make that call sometimes. I think when you're investing in property. Uh, and sort of sitting and holding seems to be easy to do, but um, in truth be told, 
is that money can always be spent better, you know, better spent elsewhere. And that's exactly what I did. And I now um, have uh, a couple of investment properties that I ended up buying in 2019 out west um, in areas like uh, Austral and Jordan Springs. I really truly believe in these areas because Sydney has all the right recipe for growth and the demand for property and de demand for land in Sydney is, I feel, is ever-changing. And out of the, those just the last 12 months, I've seen, I think, more than 10% growth in just these areas that I've, and it's taken me almost a year to build and uh, to build growth while it's building is, is a no-brainer. I, I like new. Uh, yes. My first investment property was brand new. And so I've had this stigma that I want to buy brand new because of the low maintenance and in my position of being a business owner, I don't want to be dealing with problems such as, you know, mechanical or whatever it might be, drainage issues. So I've just bought brand new properties from the get-go and they seem to be very, very good in terms of having to spend time on it and having a property manager uh, to, 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 to manage it. Uh, without any sort of in intervention from me, which is fantastic for me. And having that growth of 12 to 15% over the last 12 months has been amazing. Probably a little bit exaggerated because of, um, you know, the builder's grant now uh, and everybody's demanding properties that are brand new, especially house and land. It's just crazy. But that's not a bad thing, you know. People want to get ahead out in these western regions. I grew up out west in Cecil Hills. That's where I ended up living with uh, mum and dad for the, you know, the latter part of my life being with them. Um, is, uh, you know, I grew up in Cecil Hills, which is sort of surrounded by Badgerys Creek, um, Austral, and that's the reason why I've invested there because I really believe that that community around there, they are all, all about that house and land, owning your own home dream. And if they want to own, you know, areas where people uh, owner occupies, I think are, are great for investment because people aspire to live there. And so there's people that want to rent there. Um, they're willing to pay rent to be there. So, um, and that's what I've found. And, and for, for, you know, what is a, a strange economy? I've, I, I finished construction on one of my premises in uh, just this year around mid-year. And um, I, I was managed, able to get tenants in there in the first couple of weeks after con uh, occupation certificate was received, which is means that, you know, it's despite the economic conditions, um, it's still got huge demand, which is great. Thank you so much to Tuan Duong, our guest on this episode. If you've enjoyed hearing Duong's story, join us next time where we hear more about his investment regrets. And I think um, the places I wish I had known about things like the Property Investory Podcast, um, at that time, you know, think there were th um, those independent places where you could get advice and, 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 and not have to make that mistake. We learn about his business in its early stages. So it was very lean, but very fortunate to come across people that would uh, allow that. And, and, you know, you've got to start somewhere. It wasn't the most glamorous office, you know, had a few bug issues. Duong shares his successful investment stories and explains where he went right. I bought that property for 400000 It's probably worth double that now, uh, the, the, the duplex I bought. And that's next time on Property Investory. See you then. And if you love the show and are ready to get serious about investing your money to get a low risk, high return, 
then SMS me your name and email address on 0499881040 to become a money partner. Right now, there are great opportunities in the property market and I'm looking for money partners who want to invest their money for a short 6 months. To register interest, text me your name and email address on 0499881040.